Gavel bang. Did you, how was your afternoon? Did you have a good night? <laughs> Court. All right. All right. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> he gave me that look like deer in headlights. So I was like, I'll ask him how his night was. No, but you said afternoon. <laughs> well, you start with afternoon. That's uh, that's um, that's cheers. Afternoon, everybody. Yeah. How you doing, mister? What was what was Ted Danson's name on there? Uh. Sam. Sam Malone. Sam, Sam, Malone. Sam Malone. No, but it was Woody Harrelson who would always say, how you doing, Mr. Oh, what that was, was Norm. Norm's last name? Whatever. Like Gunderson or some shit. Yeah. How you doing, Mr. Oostafson? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what was that? It doesn't I it just really kept thinking of the, the Truman Show, like, good morning, good evening, and good night. Oh, court. yeah. Court. Good morning, court. Well, I, it's interesting we're talking about times of day because the particular episode we're talking about, I, I, and it wasn't until a, a certain viewing when I was like, wait a minute, this stuff doesn't make any sense because they're talking, they're at night court, but they're mm-hmm. talking about what they're doing tonight. Right. I have, right? A, I have, I have a theory and answer for that because I'm always attuned to that too. My biggest problem with with all, like all the episodes in terms of it being night court is the cafeteria is packed. Yeah, yeah. Like even even if there are night courts going on, like so many people are taking a lunch break at midnight. Like it's crazy. Mm-hmm. But what I will say to that is this is New York City, the city that never sleeps. When I used to work a night job, you still went out. You just went out at a later time. Like, yeah. and when Casey and I first started yeah. living together in New York, Casey, you got off earlier on Sundays. I got off at midnight. Oh, I right. would literally bring home groceries, get home at 1 30 a.m. We would cook a full dinner and like stay up until 6 a.m. watching sure. movies and stuff. Yeah. Like, we had a date night. Mm hmm. Yeah, when Meg and I both worked at the bars, our, our, we were night weirdos. Casey knows my night weirdo schedule. But yeah, you have okay, like dinner Mel, at Hey, Mel Torme don't play no afternoon concerts, guys. No. Yeah, but Mel, they weren't talking about Mel Torme because the the day in question was the night before Bull's supposed date, which was just dinner. Right. Oh no, I that's where I I got mixed up, but. So so I guess Harry Stone doesn't work seven days a week. So who is the exactly. nutty fill-in for Harry Stone? Yeah, right? Bizarro Harry. Bizarro Harry. And we all know that in your world, Ash, all bizarros are black. Yeah. <laughs> we met him last episode. <laughs> we we so, met racist Ash bitch. and Bizarro Harry last episode. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> assholes. Oh, sorry. So uh, I, I, I always get us set off, but should I start off with a description on... Um, oh, wait. Uh, please rise. Please be seated. With mm-hmm. me, as always, is the Honorable Case Van Heel. Yo. Our district att- <laughs> assistant district attorney, mm-hmm. Ash nice. Van Gunderson. Hello. Ash Van Garen. <laughs> um, and I'm your uh, bailiff in training, uh, Dr. Toilet, H. Frywald. Selma Diamond Jr. Sel- oh, man, if only. if I, I wish to be as... Um, 
Oh, it wasn't malarkey. It was nonsense. Nonsense. Yeah. 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 I don't know where malarkey so, came from. Before the malarkey was good though, because I was waiting for that. But yeah. before we start, I was just googling last week, just kind of looking around. And I found an awesome article called 13 Judicious Facts About Night Court. Ooh, cool. So they don't pertain to this episode specifically, and I'm not going to go through all 13, but I'm going to give you I'm going to give you the first two and then I'll continue as the weeks go on. I like it. I like this. What's the segment called? What rumba do you get? Yeah. What, what, what's your soundtrack going to be? Yeah. What, what? I don't know. Torme. Oh, yeah, it's got to be. Yes. She bop, she bop, she bop, 13 reasons. I love that in this episode, we, we're we kind of like asking questions that get answered the following week because we had talked about Bizarro, the Bizarro, other night court judges and people, and we got to meet one of the judges last week. But a few weeks ago, we had also talked about the Dan Fielding, like when he's on his back pills and he becomes the other Dan Fielding, oh. we got that this episode, which I thought was funny. Yeah, you're right. No, that's really good. Holy Anyways, shit! I didn't mean to. But this yeah. was this, to this and this felt Fielding. like Bizarro Fielding. That's for sure. Oh, and that was the other thing we were like, when does the Mel Torme thing? hit yes like, when does that become a thing and that was in this episode no so doubt i think about the it. mel torme into your judicious facts segment is perfect so <laughs> i don't know anything right. about mel torme too so i get to listen to some of his tunes well, this I'm, I'm sure we'll yeah. all be listening to a lot of the velvet fog very soon so <laughs> torme for a segment okay got it right. well, 13 Okay, so first, crazy New York judges inspired the show. Reinhold Wiggy sat on the bench with New York City night court judges and developed a story around them. I was moved by the craziness of New York Manhattan night court, he said in a documentary. There were stories in the newspaper at the time of judges with serious emotional problems who the state had a hard time getting rid of. I thought, gosh, wouldn't that be terrific if we could get a judge through the system who is a little off center and a little wacky? On the show, Judge Stone's a bit wacky and also the youngest judge in state history. So hmm. there, so there's that fact number one. We might have to look up some of these rogue which is judges. crazy because we all we all have kind of debated that as well of like the Dan Fielding. We ne- not necessarily with Judge Stone, but we were talking about Dan Fielding of like he is a small fish, like he's kind of a doofus. That's why he's stuck in night court, right? Yeah. So it's funny that that's actually at least at the time when the show was created, really how that works. Like, oh, we can't push this guy out. Let's put him on night court. Yeah, he can't be. Lead ju- he can't be the judge against the Gambino family, right? It's like, no, give him the you know the the guy who sells the knockoff I I heart New York shirts. So do you think? So we all know that Hollywood and and television heightened like a lot of times at all. You're like, no way, Doogie Hauser came from a real story. Yeah, but mm-hmm. the doctor was twenty four as a young doctor and not 14 you know so it's everything's really yeah. really heightened from a true story so is the real wacky night court judges like 
He wears he wears sneakers. Oh no! So I think I think like it goes the other way. Like they're not wacky because it like what I just read. Like the quote was like he found out like there were judges with like emotional problems. So yeah, Casey, you said alcoholic. That's directly where I went to. Like like just a fucking like depressive. Yeah, absolutely. And then they but they had so much tenure. You know, like on the bench, that it was like you can't fire them. It's it's like a political thing. Mm-hmm. So I think it it went the other way. Like Wiggy took it and made it wacky and fun, like this out of left field guy. Yeah. But really, this could also have been the most depressing drama, right? As gave well, him fake yo-yos and the peanut brittle snake, as opposed to like he cuts himself and like. <laughs> And hangs himself with a belt when he jerks off. Chambers. See, this is where the judicial system, like re- in the real life, sends a like really yeah depressed, off-center judges just so like they don't get a bad rap. Just like I'm watching this show on Netflix called Keepers. I was just gonna make the we reference. Are too. I was like, we crooked, are too. send the crooked priest upstate. My next sitcom is a goofy uh, <laughs> sitcom that takes place in that weird institution where they send their child molesting priests. Oh, oh that line from Keepers where the guy was like, I take care of people with mental issues and depression. <laughs> what are you here for? And he's like, I'm in trouble for touching a 14-year-old girl. I had Having sex, sex with, with a 14-year-old. I just watched that last night. I bet we're watching the same time. That is, um, that is a we, wild yeah. show. We started watching it on Friday. And we actually had friends over last night. And like I brought up that specific instance. I was like, it's all crazy like and wackadoodle type shit. Like... I was totally floored. I was like, but then uh, that institution brought got brought in. I was like, oh my gosh, like I just, I that's hate. insane. It has all the earmarks for a wacky sitcom, though. It's a cool school for girls, and he's the only the man priest. Ooh. Exactly. Like I just ah uh, yeah. It's it's not just that institution, but like. Those religious, like they set up, they they're just so conniving, and and you can't get more villainous. Like you can't, no, you can't write that shit in it. Well, they wouldn't make that a, a Superman arc. They should, but I mean, it's yeah, like Hail Hydra. Like it's just an insidious. Like that has that. They watch each other's back, man. Yeah. Ugh. Well, moving on to the next one, which almost... Do you want to... We got a lot of night... We got a lot of uh, episodes in the series. I know, but this one is important. Pertains, right? It pertains because it is about our... My beloved Dan Fielding. Mm. He made me hate women this episode. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) So, interesting fact and a sign of things to come... Dan Fielding started out as a conservative character. Mm-hmm. Now mm-hmm. I read that. I was like, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. And I'm thinking just conservative in, in in terms of the tie, the pipe, the so on and so forth. Yeah. But then I realized that we're about to see a whole lot more Dan Fielding and probably the Dan Fielding that I remember yeah. as a child. Right. So it says, in the first couple of seasons, Dan Fielding's not an arrogant womanizer like he is in later seasons. If you look at early episodes, my character was this sort of tight-lipped, vested, pipe-smoking conservative fellow, Laracat told the AV Club. And of course, I was putting garden hoses down my pants by the end of the series. (laughs) I think that's what happens. I I 
I think that's what happens on a television series is that the creator of the show gets used to the characters oh. and the actors playing them. They learn to write for their strengths, which a good writer does. And Weegee saw that I was this maverick, crazy, and that self- sounds self-inflating, but I have a rather acerbic sense of humor. Reinhold started writing towards that and creating the character that everybody now knows and loves. Right. I, can't I get wait the to... I get the garden hose reference. So he's trying to make him as the character. He yeah. was double hogging it. Yeah. Or you just like it's a cartoon. Like ah, my loins are so hot. I gotta yeah. spritz them. There was probably an episode with both. That's that's great that you bring it up because I was watching this. I was going, who the fuck is this Dan? Who what? This is not the Dan Fielding I know. Like. I think they're starting to Bizarro. explore the character. I think this is what cracks him. And and yeah, um, I think this oh it very well could be. Same thing happened to Henry Lee Lucas and Charles Ang. <laughs> you know, like it could have cracked him in a totally different direction. Like that's the type uh-huh. of shit like my aunt touched my butthole, so I'm going to kill 45 women. I don't know who <laughs> the aunt hole but toucher was but the on hole butt that's our next podcast where we aunt talk hole. about the famous aunts in sitcoms welcome it's to aunt hole <laughs> welcome to the aunt hole oh my or gosh, i guess it would totally... be let's climb the aunt hill like aunt aunt hole aunt hole i'm good. going aunt hold hole. it really going quickly down the aunt hole. <laughs> really quickly side note speaking of favorite Segments. aunts the only one that i could think of is that i absolutely adore is laurie metcalf and Rosanna is coming it's back coming back did you hear no. that? It is, yes. And they're acting like no, the finale and stuff didn't happen. Like, Dan is very much alive. Okay, that's what I thought. Someone posted on Facebook, and I was like, spoilers, isn't John Goodman's character dead? They're, they're just like, disregarding no. it, and then J.J. No, Abrams it. is behind they, it. And they, they, they can disregard yes. it for now and keep it because the whole, oh, I don't want to spoil the end of Roseanne, especially for a whole generation of people that are going to start watching Roseanne again, but they can forego the ending <laughs> because listening to this, let's just say she <laughs> yeah. can, she can, we, it's like back in the past again, and it's another chapter or another series. You know what I mean? Does that make sense to you guys that know the end of it? Yeah, totally. That's I mean, that's how I took it. I wasn't offended or like anything like, well, that doesn't make sense. Like, and also it's J.J. Abrams and I'm a huge fan of the Star Trek reboot, which is exactly what they did. I hope it's a quirky, weird reboot. Like there's going to be so many starbursts in that or whatever those things are called. Lens flares. Lens flares right on Dan's old nubby gut. But um, I I don't know. I'm with Casey. Like Roseanne just brings up like a real. It's the show's so good and the jokes are so good, but it brings up such show. sour feelings in my stomach for how for that like just the depth of poverty that they, I don't want them to still be suffering. Yes, like I come back. I, I hope they're still it. rich, but that's point, boring. Like I, I, I don't, I don't really see it as suffering. I think it was just a, a look into the another faction of america you are out of your mind they were so miserable like all the time they laughed a lot those afghans look like they smelled so (laughs) So bad (laughs) just the mustiest looking afghans you've ever seen no i don't i don't think so but my mother hates it i know she and you know that my mother also hates white trash yes She's got a censor for it. Which is funny because she married it, but True. whatever. Also divorced it. There was like 10 minutes of an entire episode where Dan, like, I loved that one of my favorite parts of that show because I could relate, was when Dan got so mad that he would, like, 
punch through walls and like break furniture. And there was like 10 minutes of one episode that I'm still harboring because I'm so uncomfortable about it <laughs> where like Roseanne got toast crumbs in the butter and oh, he yes, o- went yes. to like open the butter and he was like, I'm sick of toast and I'm getting <laughs> and they were already like fighting about how they couldn't pay bills. And that's right. what happens oh, when finance comes into play in a relationship is you guys are so worried about paying the metaphorical. You People are so worried about paying their bills that the smallest thing sets them off because their nerves are so fried. And I get that. Like, oh, oh man. No, thanks, JJ. Reboot <laughs> the nanny. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Major dad. Anyone? Oh, Coach. yeah. Oh, coach! Oh, god! Fuck yeah, coach! I I got enough Hayden Fox in my. What's that guy's name? Craig T. Nelson. <laughs> Craig T. Nelson. I love that guy. Craig had his was run. Hayden Fox was his name? Favorite. Hayden. Okay. Yeah. Wait, I, I, this is completely and totally my fault. But we're we're off track. All right, are we? Let's get back to the. Let's get into the description of it. Oh, I got a description. Episode this is a new. Eight. This is a new segment. It's called improv description. <laughs> haven't haven't written anything. I have the description in front of me, but I'm just gonna go for it. All I'll, right, I'll, it's episode eight, the quadrangle of, of love. love. Episode eight, the quadrangle of love. This squad is a quad of love. <laughs> Ain't no bull about this one. Dan's heart's broken, and his pipe he ain't smoking. Judge Harry T. Stone. Has got a bone to pick with the tick it dealers. Cause Mel Torme, uh, Mel Torme. Description <laughs> Mel Torme ain't no gourmet. And uh, I got, I got nothing. Here's the description. God, that was awful. I like the free. I don't know how it ended. I love up. the I tick. I felt like. I it felt holders. like I was back in uh, cocktail time. I felt like I was back in cocktail times with like Cocktails that shitty dreams. Tom Cruise jumping on the bar. He's like, if you want to sex on the beach, I cannot teach you a little <laughs> something right on my rumpkin. Have a shot. I was just like, I hate you. I hate you, Tom Cruise. Never sing. And by the way, I want to like the last two weeks I've been spicy. I've been attacking a lot of people. Purely on like physical attributes. I don't know where it came from. Because so people deserve to be on my list for uh, Bill Gates because he made horrible technology and this and that. But Tom Cruise, you're off the list. You're a good dude. But I hate. You know who's on the list? Whoever wrote cocktail. I don't like that scene either because Cognitive's law smug, uh, rich Wall Street guy. Like that's what sets it off. Is he's like. I love greed. It is my creed. Oh, I spend yes. the money and drink the honey. And That's gross. right. And then that, because it just makes me, as a bartender, I was like, there's no fucking way. There's no amount of fucking strange drugs or booze that would get me to, like, jump on the bar and go, yo, check it. Like, sex on the beach. Yeah, because it is. Call me the teach. <laughs> You're because you don't have the charisma. You don't have the charisma oh, required. I don't got the tri- oh. charisma. You ain't got it. It couldn't. It would be less than thirty seconds before somebody took off their designer Armani loafer, and you'd be like, watching the <laughs> stock market come over and park it at my <laughs> ah. They throw their loafer at your nose. They would just go, poor person. 
Serve me a drink now. Oh, exactly. Oh, You're you like, guys. all right. And the amount of uh, uh, this is not. We're gonna have. You know what? It's the second time we've mentioned cocktail. There's only so many episodes in a um, in a season of Night Court, so we'll have a special cocktail. Uh, Cocktails and drinks. Uh, pod episode. I think we're gonna have to because I'm I'm already I'm more hot under the collar about that than I am about Roseanne. Oh, with a <laughs> Roseanne's gonna have a scummy because of J.J. Abrams and all his connections. They're gonna have a scummy uncle played by Tom Cruise, which he should totally do. How awesome would that role be? Uncle Tom, Tom Cruise, little jean shorts. He works like in the motorcycle shop. God, he should be a regular on that show. It would be a ama- It would be the best career movie ever had. A thick old caterpillar mustache. Brandon Fraser's in a shallow grave somewhere, so Tom Cruise is rebooting <laughs> the Mummy. <laughs> he did that spell on Brendan Fraser. Yeah, bones. why are they doing that? I don't. I don't. I don't. I think it's a totally unrelated franchise. But why? Oh, okay. That's why I was just like, why isn't it Brendan Fraser? No, they're doing um, Universal. Mo- Universal Monsters Universe. Oh. So there was that movie Dracula Untold that came out three years ago, two years ago. That's the first movie in the set. Like, that's the Iron Man. I don't even remember that. I don't either. What are you talking about? Um, that guy Luke Evans was in it. Uh, they're all going to be 90210? Connected. Oh, that's Luke Perry. No, the guy who played Gaston in The Beauty and the Beast live action. Oh. They should. It doesn't seem like that. I guess Tom Cruise is involved, but they. I love that idea of rebooting those, but they should reboot the monster series, and we'll get. I still haven't even read the description. They should reboot that monster series, but like do it in that like really sweet way because they could get these people. Because I I think because they're such fans of like the genre and the particular people involved, like they should go like we're rebooting the monster series. Tim Burton, do you want to take Frankenstein? Fuck yeah. And then they can have their own, like, well, don't give Tim Burton. All right, I don't want to list anybody. Right, but, yeah. You know, like, the like a Tim specific uh, filmmaker could have, like, their own take on something, like, really, really cool. So what do you have? Like, The Wolfman. That could be, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, uh, Terry Gilliam. Yeah. No, it, it's a team, because uh, Russell Crowe's in the movie, and they just released, like, he's this austere sort of British scientist. He's Dr. Jekyll. Oh, Oh, cool. And he runs this, like, secret institute that fights monsters. Cool. Speaking of fighting monsters. We gotta get into this because this is my favorite episode yet. Yeah. I'm so pumped. You couldn't tell as we delayed at all, punted the ball at all. Cost. I know. That's actually so none of us watched the episode. It's just all stalling. That's yeah. so yeah. funny because I made a joke this morning. I was like, "What if we didn't watch it and we just went live and was like, Hans, tell us about it?" We well, have no it's idea happened the happened. last two episodes at the end when you guys have been like, and then the little shoe shine boy rode a rainbow <laughs> home to his father. And I was like, what? "Who is free from prison?" <laughs> so I got the description here. And it's not the uh, cocktail cocktail hour. That's the name of the, my new description segment, cocktail hour. <laughs> cocktail hour. Dan, Harry, and Bull. Oh, my. Hold on. Let me read it quick in my head before. Well, it's not spoilers. Everybody's going to watch the episode before. And Dan, Harry, and Bull all compete for the same pretty. I thought it said petty. Pretty attorney. Harry tries to get tickets to see Mel Torme. I have a little note here. 
Note, yeah. the end credits have a different background for this episode. You know what? I'm not going to read the notes. I See, I should prepare first. So sometimes these descriptions give a little taste of what happens in the episode, and this is a little sp- kind of too spoilery. So uh, you already said what this was. So it was a, it's a Jeff Melman, and it's uh, interesting. It's got a lot of bizarre. It's directed by Jeff Melman, but it's not a Ouija. It's a good episode. It's quick. It's really it's funny. It's a really good episode. It's story by R.J. Colliery, teleplay by him, Chris Cluis, and Stuart Kreisman. So you got a lot of people on this episode. Interesting. And it's it looks quick. like Kreisman are... and Cluis are, are, are writing partners. <laughs> Excuse me. Bless you. Thank you. I'm allergic to scummy women. <laughs> well, yeah, let's, I guess we'll... Start. It opens in the cafeteria, like sure like does. always. Oh yeah. And uh, I know we talked about this gag last week, but it Selma's plugging away at her crossword. Oh wait, the it ended last week. I the episode ended without us um, revealing that gag. Wink, oh, wink. we didn't. Okay. Yes. Awesome. So it goes. Uh, so it doesn't have you two. Uh, <laughs> doesn't have you two so last week if you listen to the episode it has me naming the beginning joke of this episode so i say what's a four-letter word for nonsense and then it's about six minutes of you two going shit is it shit or what (laughs) oh it's it's bull it's bull it's bull because my intention was to go what's a four-letter word for nonsense we'll find out next week and, <laughs> and it just goes, oh, it's bull. And then Ashley goes, oh, yeah, bull. Oh, it's a bull. I can't wait for next. And then we just talk about potentially. And, and so. <laughs> Anyways. So we're on Selma. She's doing yep. the crossword. Totally sets us up for like the all, all the gags throughout the very mm-hmm. short in comparison. Yeah. Opening before yeah. the, the open for the credits. So she's plugging away. Lana walks up and she's like, what's a four letter word for nonsense? And then Bull walks up and Lana goes, Bull. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. That's our our opening salvo. And then Lana starts giving some sass to Selma about not eating her dinner. That's a weird one. Yeah. She's like, you you haven't touched your food. And she's like, I touched it. I chewed it. I swallowed it. Now it's up to my enzymes. It's a very Harvard joke. Very, yeah. Carl Carl Sagan guest wrote on this episode. Yeah, I was going to say, that's one one for Henning. (laughs) Yeah, we, oh, Henning, yeah. Henning's back, baby. Henning survived. Uh, And then we find out the food is not, in fact, Selma's. She has, in fact, eaten it's Judge Harry's. He hasn't touched his food because he is tethered to the phone booth. Oh, he I missed that. I missed hot. that it was his food. What's his food yeah. doing in front of Selma? She's making sure no one do- doses it with all those little roustabout kids running around with bombs and I poison. think it was an angular thing. Like, I don't know. It really, like, it didn't, we went way too far to set it up that Harry hasn't been eating because he's busy doing something else. Like, it really just could have been addressed head on. Yeah, it could have just but been literally been, like, where's Harry? Oh, he's on the phone. Looking for Mal Torme tickets. Or it which could have even doing. been like, Harry hasn't eaten yet. We have to beat a court in five minutes. And it was yeah. like, but let's not nitpick let's because, not again, dwell. this is my favorite yeah, Don't go into the food so much. Go into the fact that if, if Harry's such a big Mal Torme fan, 
he would have had those. Come on. You can't. Right. You you I thought that too. I thought that too. Like, really? You just found out. I think it snuck up on him. Harry, mm. Harry is a member because remember before like the internet and stuff, how like fan clubs were so big. Yeah. Like a mail-in like fan club for like a band or a, an artist like of, of any type. Like mm-hmm. that was so, so huge. Like I remember I was in fan clubs. My dad was in fan clubs like really thick into it because you would get merchandise you would get you know a, a like sure that makes i guess sense, like yeah. a code yeah. like a promotional code to call in get tickets to concerts right. first before it Just went a, to the general public the, like the proto email blast yeah of course absolutely before before we had any of that type of communication it was the fan club so if you love mel torme that much because dear listener this is the whole thing harry's not eating because he's trying to get tickets to this mel torme concert at the garden that's sold out in two days yeah there is no way he didn't know about this until then yeah. you think no mel way. torme played the garden uh yeah that we find out from the the case that that's where they busted the scalper was outside the garden no i mean do you think mel torme played the Literally. garden one of those tiny rooms oh the, the sub the theater at yeah. I mean, he didn't like he's not like Dice. He didn't pack the, yeah. the main the main stage full of D- fat heads and He's n- he's not Dane Torme. <laughs> Given that finger, given that Andrew. Torme. Yeah. Doing the skip bop 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 one in the stink ink ink skibbly doo bop bop burgundy king. We got, uh, so a, yeah, got a new character, Dane Cook, Dane 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 Torme. <laughs> Probably still Dane be. Scat. God, can you imagine? No, it, it that really might be should be Dice Clay because then you can do the uh, nursery rhymes oh, with true. a skittily dat dat. So we got two. We got Dane Cook Torme and Andrew Dice Mel. Andrew Little Dice Torme. He needed the skittily dat 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 Little Miss Diggity Duffit sat on her scootily buppet doo ba ee I hate women and blacks. Skilly backs. <laughs> I think actually, I I heard he's a really good dude. Actually, yeah. Despite that, what that character may tell you, yeah, that's sweet, just a character. Of a guy. Although that character, like Roseanne, worked on me like a charm because I was I was a kid at the time. I was like, that guy's a piece of shit. But cause that's just because I didn't get that. I couldn't separate the two. My dad had me memorize the nursery rhymes and perform them for people. <laughs> I'm not lying. Popping those collars. <laughs> Throwback to when my mom married white trash. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh shit. Speaking of, speaking of huge, huge comedy acts, aren't you guys going to see Steve Martin and Martin Short tonight? Tonight. tonight yeah. yeah. Shit. And then we get to meet Val Kilmer on Wednesday. What the hell's that about? It's an anniversary tour. And yeah, we didn't get the fan club memo. We didn't have a discussion. I randomly I bought tickets for for us for our anniversary, which was last week. I bought tickets right. to Steve Martin and Martin uh-huh. Short tonight. And <clears throat> without either of us knowing, Casey incidentally kind of had the same idea and bought us tickets to go see Val Kilmer. Um he, not perform live, but it's a tape, like it's a viewing of his one, a, a tape of his one man show as, as Mark, Mark Twain. Twain. But, oh. <laughs> but even better, Casey got the VIP tickets, so we get to meet him afterwards and get Ooh. a picture with him. Tom, Cru- ask about Tom Cruise. <laughs> Excuse me, Mr. Kilmer, Mr. Iceman. <laughs> 
How ugly is Tom Cruise? Get really? out of here. <laughs> I almost got to meet Tracy Morgan today because his new TV show pushed my AA group into an even more basement of a basement. <laughs> and I was like, why is, is that, it set up like if this? That, like, is it the most quintessentially New York statement? Like, <laughs> Tracy Morgan's filming pushed my AA meeting into the even bigger. The janitor's <laughs> closet. But the best part is, I was like, why is this room set up like this? They're like, oh, Tracy Morgan's shooting his new show about being an AA. Uh, your AA meeting's going to be uh, in a shed. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah, in the basement with the 80s janitor. Like, it's just all those old titty posters hanging up, faded. There's an old mattress. It did look. The set, that show might be good. I don't know what it's for, but. Uh, whoa. Where, whoa, yeah. where, where, are, where am I? Where am I? You're I like Mel I'm... Torme at the garden. So oh, Harry okay. can't get tickets. And then it uh, starts a discussion between uh, Selma, Lana, and Bull about because Bull says he's not a not a fan of Mel Torme. He sure ain't. But None he, of them are. But Bull's a fan of Big Bird. He's a fan of Latin Price, Luciano Pavarotti, and that yellow bird from Sesame Street. Is it La- who's Latin Price, Casey? I have no idea. <laughs> I know because I have, look at the I don't have Latin written. I have. Leon T. Leon T. Price. I'm assuming it's an opera singer. Like I'm assuming the bit yeah. more so than ever. Bull is becoming man of two the worlds. biggest He's... conundrum in the world. He's oh traveled. yeah, and it goes even further. Like yeah, oh once big we time. Get into it. Big yeah. time, and even more so than just the smart and stupid dynamic. Now it's the like is Bull the most aware person on the show? He's and it like happened very Harmon. early in this episode. Bull's a Dan Harmon character. Oh, he is. Yeah. Like, just that, like, awkward, but not, he's not an idiot. Like, he's very smart, but he's simple. Yeah, but he's also, I didn't expect this out of him. So later on, when uh, I'll, I'll get to it when it comes there later on. He gives, like, a mug to the camera almost. It's not a mug to the camera, but the camera catches his look, and his look, it's as he's... Oh, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. He just so, gives yeah. a smug smile. It's well, anyway, so they're they're kind of getting on Harry mm-hmm. for this. And, and Liz, my, my girl Liz, I love Liz. She goes like, it's only a concert. To which Harry retorts. Woodstock. Woodstock was only a concert. This is Mel Torme. Boom, shaka lot. So now we know the stakes in this for yeah. Harry. Harry don't, Harry don't care for Jimi Hendrix. I saw a Woodstock bumper sticker the other day, and it was just a picture of like an AK-47 or a M- whatever those guns are, and it yeah. just said, uh, this is the only Woodstock I need. Oh, God. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best, because they don't even make guns out of wood anymore. You saw it in right. New York? Mm-hmm. Jesus. Yeah, uh, there was like a big accident in Times Square in New York this week. This yeah, dude, we, saw. we we were right there because our dumbasses had to go into the city to look at a car dealership, and we were right at Central Park, and we we're like, why the why are we stuck behind this crazy Vietnam vet for an hour and a half? Is because that guy ran up on the sidewalk speaking a night court. One of our hotels from the company I used to work at when I was in New York, one of our hotels is right there where the final kind of crash happened. Yeah, and no one was injured or anything, but like. It was like the staff break time, so our mo- the majority of our staff was right there and had to like get out of the way for the car. Oof. Nothing Jesus. worse. 
nothing worse than I, and maybe not i don't know maybe it doesn't matter in the end and how you go but please don't let it be some fluky thing like a goddamn air conditioner randomly falling out and it might be who knows or a guy flipping up a curb or something but what are you gonna do Ugh. now we got dark yeah yeah now we're, now we're back let's, well anyway let's, let's so bring... so we're talking about harry and then mm-hmm. dan walks in with yeah. the lady that i've never seen yeah the new edition susan it, susan suzanne a, suzanne assistant suzanne, okay to the prosecution <laughs> I was going to say prosecuting attorney, or pro- I couldn't decide. I I think she's an assistant district attorney. Gotcha. Because he's the district attorney. Yeah, they're working in. So she's a new attorney that's working in tandem with Dan. Yes. Um, yeah. So essentially shadowing. Get it? Because at night court, shadow shadowing. Uh, that's a stretch. Um, <laughs> so, so they walk in and they're doing some cutesy, fruitsy little banter. And Harry's like, does does Dan seem different to you? Yeah. And my girl Liz, he's always been different. Mm-hmm. I just love her. I yeah. had to point she out looks that line. Really, really. She always looked good. She was. I was like, Liz looks really hot. This. She would like looked really good this episode. I don't know what she it was. Did. She just looked to really counterbalance great. all of the the nastiness thrown at the ladies of the court. She was doing it for me this episode. Short hair. She looked She good. had kind of a, a a pretty heavy dose of 80s makeup on. That could have been Oh, it. my gosh. You're Dan. Oh, Because Dan notices yeah, it. Shifted. You're Dan. Oh, no. You're in tune with old field hound. Hans oh. K. Fielding. Ugh. I, oh, so we're getting there. I hate, <laughs> I hate, I don't like Dan this episode. I don't like it a bit. Uh, Every, so this yeah, is a Roseanne episode. Sassy, flirty with Suzanne, like kissing her hand and doing all that. And then the uh, he goes to get them coffee. And then as he comes back, everyone's like, hey, Dan, hey, Dan, hey, Dan. He he buzzes right past them. He buzzes right past. And then I don't know if you were writing and you didn't see it, but he puts his hand behind his back. and He's shooing them. Oh, I didn't see that. No. Yeah. He he shoes shoes them away. away. Like, so he definitely it's not like. Oh, he's just in his own world, so he yeah. can't even hear. Like he heard, he no, is just, just intentionally like, like, I have, I want nothing to do with you people. Fools. I want to do with Suzanne. They have like a funny Looney Tunes or Ren and Stimpy s joke with that because she's like, I think your friends want us to go over and sit with yeah. them, and then the camera pans over to them. And they're like, Hey, they're like, hey, <laughs> waving their hands, and he's like, I don't, see I don't anyone. see anything. Yeah, so that's basically that. He's he's all keyed in on Suzanne. And then we are back into the court. No. She doesn't want you to cut Selma's last joke off, I don't think. Selma, pre-credit. All right. Do you know what it is? I stopped listening after that bad enzymes joke. I was like, you're done for me this episode, Selma. (laughs) You trash Selma. No, it was good. One strike and you're out, Selma. It was good. So they're all kind of like (laughs) looking at Dan, and this is a Dan that no one's ever seen because he's, he's smitten. Dan is smitten with Suzanne. And so Lana says, you know, incredible. And Selma looks up and goes, how many letters is that? Ten. Because she's still doing her crossword. And Lana goes, you know, kind of counts it in her head a little bit. She goes, ten. Selma starts writing it down. And, and the payoff is there, but it takes her a little while. So I was like, what's what's waiting? What's going to happen? And Hans, take it away. What does she say? She goes, that's it. Well, close enough. And you can see her, her face gets a little tighter. Like, you can see that she's just going to fit in, like, two letters in the last, like, 
three bo- like two boxes. It's hilarious. Follow the rules, Selma. It's not how the game is played. <laughs> oh, we got a we got a feud going on. <laughs> Don't speak ill of the DEAD dogs. Oh. Uh, <laughs> it also didn't really quickly. I noticed in the credits when it's her name, like her placard, her card. She's smoking, and didn't we say last week she died of lung cancer? No, we didn't. We don't know yet. We kind of assume because basically, like, her voice dances off the cancer in her throat, but <laughs> tripplingly off the <laughs> nodes in her neck. Yeah. Twas cancer killed the beast, I believe. Oh. <laughs> Was that too oh. much? Oh. Erase yeah. that. Start. Go back. <laughs> It's like you trolling on on people for being like unattractive. So whenever you say beast, it's not like oh that's like the twas cancer kind of like using the line. It's just like so you oh. call it a, a sweet old lady a beast. Yeah, which I'm not, and nor do I, am I. No, I, I do it. It's if I'm calling someone unattractive, it's like it's like uh, the shoe calling the toenail fungi. I mean, it's like <laughs> it's all gross. <laughs> That's that's an analogy that works. Speaking of fungi and toenails and gross, we're back in court. Court is hot. Uh, yeah, so we're back in court, and Dan is still smitten. He's following Suzanne, and his uh, his flirty line is: "Has anyone ever told you what a cute vaccination scar you have?" I think that's what started to set me like like I see. I don't like that a bit. What? And then because fielding... he's like such a weak-willed, like vaccination scar, Dan Fielding. Vaccination scar. I think that's the adorable part. I love Dan. He was setting himself up for the fall, and I could see it coming because I could already tell she wasn't into him. Because as we all should have, like even in the because first you open. read the introduction. <laughs> I don't read I'm that kidding, until I'm after. Kidding. But that's part of my improv game too. I just, I just, <laughs> I just dream up an episode and see if I caught it. It's like an ESP thing. <laughs> uh, I just took it as he said it because he had probably, seemingly, gave her every possible compliment he could give her. Yeah, and that was like the like I'm going to compliment this odd little thing about you. Right. I I think it's really. I think it's endearing, but it's also very specific, like, to show you where he is right now. Like, they did a good job of highlighting the mental state of Dan, as it were. Uh, and oh, then that parlays yeah. into... Uh, and then he becomes nice to Lana and Liz. Yeah, he walks past the ladies of the court and is very complimentary. He's very. telling Liz that, that she, she has a smart outfit, that uh-huh. she needs to keep that hair... Like which Hans agrees with? Yeah, oh, oh, we yeah. All agree so Hansi, you're on board. This was the moment when I was like, Liz looks great. This looks, maybe maybe that's why they got rid of her. Maybe Dirty Lana was like, I don't want anybody Get looking rid of her. sexier than me on this show. She's got Shelley Long syndrome. Ooh, yeah. So I have I have a question mm-hmm. because the next thing that happens, I think. I don't know. I know it's a joke, obviously, but I don't know if it's a joke just to be complicated or if it's a dirty joke that went over my head and I can't figure it out. So I want to ask you guys about it. So the very next thing that happens after he compliments the ladies is he goes back to Suzanne 
They they make and a comment that he's a pod person. Yeah, yeah. Because he's being so nice to them, which is so out of character for him. Yeah. And then he goes back to Suzanne. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, he was like, uh, he takes out a piece of paper out of his lapel and he's just like, I wrote a poem for you on the subway. And she's reading it. And she said, you know, oh, this is impressive. I don't really know verbatim what the line was. But essentially the joke of it is, you know, I'm surprised you found something. It must have been difficult to get something to rhyme with jurisprudence. You are students. Done. Easy. Was that it? No, it wasn't. No, but I was thinking. I was thinking, <laughs> what part of the female anatomy? I think you're looking too far into it. I and think maybe so too. it's really funny because when we were out, we were when we were conked out and disconnected. We were talking about Seinfeld, but I literally went to it like, um, like vulva. Like you know what oh, I'm yeah, saying? When yeah. he couldn't remember his girlfriend's name. Yeah. Um. But jurisprudence. What does jurisprudence mean? It's concept of law. It's yeah. It's just a, a ter- like a lawyer term. So I, I think the gag is just meant to show you like it's a really bad poem that's a lot about being a lawyer. Like that's what I took it as. Like I didn't take okay. it as like okay. it wasn't sexual. See, that's it's just what like, that's what I didn't know. It's just a bad poem. I thought it was like funny in itself, but I was like, I I don't know if there's something I'm missing here. But he's a grown man. Like uh, yeah, you're right. Like I think Dan Fielding is more messed up than we all like i think maybe dan maybe dan fielding is bizarro bull what you guys didn't see was that poem was made out of cut out letters from magazines exactly <laughs> exactly Shut and there was a lock of someone else's hair attached why to are it. both of you getting on dan yeah you didn't see you didn't see his fingers they had bandages on him from when he was using that razor blade to cut his fingerprints off i hate yeah. you all <laughs> Put, lay off a of Dan. I'm just kidding. I'm just. You're just kidding. Just kidding. Were, his other job is a, a prep cook in a kitchen because somebody felt sorry and they wanted to give him a job. Okay. I'm <laughs> sorry I brought it up. And that cigar box that, that's a collection of other people's IDs. I thought you were going to say hair. <laughs> Already said hair. Can't go back to it. Uh, yeah, so yeah. Dan. The, name's Dan, Dan Fielding. Um. <sighs> Then Lana, like, they, they notice that Dan is still, he's a changed man, he's different, so Lana brings it up to Harry, and there's the conversation of, have, have you, you ever, ever been in love? And then Madly La- in love. Madly in love. Mm-hmm. And of course, Lana, beating the same old goddamn tired-ass drum. I literally, I'll just come out, I've been so nice to s- try and stray away from it and be open-minded. I fucking hate Lana. You have not been nice one episode about how you have I'm not, not hidden in your love. contempt for her. <laughs> I'm engaged. One iota. <laughs> she hasn't earned it. She has been the wet, she's, naggy oh, blanket she's every so single fucking time. Naggy. When they were making fun of Bull for his looks, more Liz, less Lana. She didn't defend anybody. She just agreed that he was ugly. Right. Oh, she's oh yeah. Fucking horrible. She's always so, the first one on the bandwagon. So we'll tell her, tell, tell, let's tell the audience what she fucking says. So she's like, oh, mm. Harry, have you ever been madly in love? And he's like, what? No, no, no. But then he, he posits asked, it to her. He asks her first. Like, have you ever been madly in love? She's like, oh, no, of course not. I'm engaged. Her and Bo, if you will, needs to jump off a roof. Yeah, that guy. And you know that guy's not getting laid either. So I don't no, know why he's there. No, you guys no, think no, we're no. going to go, he's going to be like a... A genteel Southern, questionably. I think he's he? a fucking dandy. That's uh, what I, I think he's probably a be. He's he's gay. She's. Gay. 
Let's just go. Let's just put it right there. I hope. Yeah. You know what? You have a little ESP. ESP. Maybe next episode, that old male Southern belle of Lana's fiance is going to show up and be like, oh, here's where you were. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing. I'm not doing that. I'm glad Ashley didn't hear that. He's a beefcake. <laughs> what did he say? I, was, I took my headphones off for a second. What did he say? He was doing I, a really I just did a poor, offensive inappropriate oppression. Oh, Jesus. So, well, I mean, I was literally, I took my headphones off for a quick sec to re- resituate, and I was going to come back and say, yeah, but can you imagine what the 80s, an 80s television trope would be well, of a gay to, man? And clearly Hans, you already did it. It was a feminine man who was mentally challenged. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, like, if Rain Man was gay? Yeah. Okay. Definitely, yeah, definitely, definitely def- like the shoes. Definitely like dongs. Definitely, definitely, you look nice. <laughs> no, he's going to be like uh, Coco definitely in a Tom helmet. Selleck. Deep, deep <laughs> Golden <laughs> Girls reference. Uh, I hope it's Tony Randall. I hope it's a crossover. We get to Ooh. see this. Uh, so, yeah, Lana, just, like. Just if, shut the fuck up. Break up with your fiance. Like, you're boring. We're tired of you complaining about. Just quit. And that's the thing. We're going to see him and he'll be this like Nordic ripped Oh, yeah. He's going to actually look like a model from Land's End. And everybody's going to be like, why is he with her? But we'll find out later in the episode, like, Harry's got, Harry should be, uh, we should be a little upset with Harry because now I get my first taste that Harry knows her feelings for him and he's like, loves it. He loves it. The attention, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah. also, okay, but if I, and we'll get into it, we'll get into it. And yeah, okay, maybe a little shitty. But also, if I, if, if someone would deposit to me and I was Harry, like, uh, so you know that she has feelings for you and you're still doing this, my retort as Harry would be, and she's motherfucking engaged. Exactly. That would, would be mine. Like, be like, she's what's not the point? doing shit. Like, he feels bad for Carla B. Yeah, he does. He has compassion for Carla B. Don't have compassion for Lana. She's a she's a little she's a she's a trout. He's not open minded enough to take a Carla trollop. B. Did as, you call as... Lana a trout? Trout <laughs> sniffer. <laughs> trout no, trouser what's, sniffer. What's the... Oh yeah, she wants <laughs> a piece of that a garden trollop, snake. A, trump, a trumpet. A trumpet. A trumpet. <laughs> Lana is far from a strumpet. She's a. She wears like grandma underwear. Like yeah. she's so no, it has maybe she's a and her initials embroidered on it from her grandma. She's so uptight. Maybe she's not, she's not when fun. she gets home though. Oh, that's true. She does wear a Girl Scout outfit, like to See? get frisky and dress like a child. Uh, now I'm picturing her force forcing that fantasy on this like Tom Selleck looking guy. And he's like, no, 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 I'm good. And she's like. No, I'm a baby. I'm gonna wear this little girl. And you're like, Ugh. Lana, I'm gay. I don't want to. <laughs> oh, it's like it's like this. Well, I'm gay. It's like the <laughs> baby. Oh. So we yeah, just we did a, a hand motion. Beating really really quickly, Hans. We just did a hand motion. There was uh someone that I used to date that would literally do that, like in bed, like do a like come hither, but like as a baby. It was. Like deplorable, like I, I vomited a little in my mouth every time it happened. The relationship did not last long at all. And then made your way in in a little diaper with a big pin on it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sucking your thumb like a. Freak. Ashley needs her binky. <laughs> I'm your little yee. <laughs> somebody should have burned your house down from the inside. <laughs> 
throw that cartoon bomb through the fucking window. <laughs> yeah, where's a little Puerto Rican shoeshine boy when you need him? <laughs> oh, anyways, yeah, Lana is a fucking rag. Let's get to the case. Yeah, so we're to the case. The case yeah. of the episode is we're re- a returning to New York night weirdo crime. This one is classic. Big time. It is uh, a guy is arrested for scalping tickets to the ice capades. You saw where this was going, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. As soon as he said tickets, I'm like, uh-oh. That guy was great. That So this oh, guy gets great. arrested so for scalping, scalping tickets to the ice capades. But the actor, I didn't do enough research on him, as we know I don't. But I didn't either. But the story was so great because he he had this like great story because he was just scalping one mm. set of tickets, and he was basically like, "Oh, like I got these from my niece, and then she left, and so on and so forth." So I, I you know, I was left with these tickets, and I wanted to be able to share them with someone else's niece, he so they could enjoy it. Was like, perfect. It was so good. He looked perfect. He kind of yep. had that like. George Jefferson, like older African American man, like puffy hair but receding. But he oh, yeah. also thick, thick mustache. He had a very uh, Beverly Hills Cop like Detroit like outfit on. And he had a very like Eddie Murphy trading places. Like I got an answer for everything. I'm comfortable in the, yeah. like the criminal world. I know you're just gonna slap me with whatever it is. Like yeah, that I'm totally that Richard and he was super charming. Like it was, it was on yeah. point. Like, it was like nailed it. Richard Pryor, his tough talking. Like, come on, Jack. You know what's going on? Like this guy, streetwise. Those tickets were right behind Snoopy's doghouse. I don't know where that voice. I think the voice is not fair. I don't think the voice was quite like that, but it was not. It was not both of you. So but it Harry was basically one of one of the bits is Harry was just like, but you were selling a nine dollar ticket for forty five dollars, and he was like, yeah, but it was right, right behind, behind Snoopy's doghouse. Dog like, and the way it was delivered, which neither of you can do, so I'll just <laughs> oh give it. <laughs> Uh, I believe you, you got a about, degree Ed? for uh, uh, theater and performing arts. Lay uh, it on us, Jack. I got a degree in creating my own characters, not mimicking other performances. Uh, how Jamaican is this guy going to sound over under? <laughs> blah, I'm not blah, doing I got it. the tickets. Blah. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, sir. Your Jamaican isn't retarded enough. He's. A- <laughs> I create my own characters. Uh, trust me, I'm bad at accents. He's only going to sound Jamaican if I try to do him as Italian. Yeah, or Irish. Yeah. No, I wasn't going to mimic him. I was just saying we're, we don't have to do it because neither of you can do it. I wasn't saying I could do it. Oh, you're putting us, pulling a Lana over here. But... Big time. Big time. <laughs> Big time. <laughs> Come on, girl. Skibop, skibop, man. Skibop, the tormenticals, man. What Jamaican Mel Torme? Skilly, boop, 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 it's bro, Mel bro. Montego Bay Torme. Montego Bay Torme. Guys, Bay it's, it's gone so far. Uh, it's so good, though. I love Is Montego Bay even racist. in Jamaica? I don't think so. Sounds good, though. Negril? All right. All right. Where are we? Okay, guys. Wow. Uh, you brought so it up. We were. We had I great impressions. We were right we on track. We voices. You got, okay. I wasn't even doing a voice until oh, I was really? doing my spot-on Jamaican. <laughs> I got 10 jobs. 
So really quickly, as an aside, as this case is going on and this guy is back and forthing with Harry, you kind of get snippets of Dan talking to Suzanne in the mm-hmm. background where, when they should be paying attention to the case yeah, because they are the prosecutors of said case mm-hmm. with this guy. And um, so Dan has tiny little bits in between yeah. as we go through this story and he smells her hair and says, oh, your hair smells great. And she's like, it's dandruff shampoo. So you're definitely... Not only are they funny little yeah. jokey bits, but you're also definitely no. getting the feeling that she's just completely not nearly as enamored with Dan so as Suzanne. Suzanne's trying to try the case, and Dan's distracting her by, like, smelling her hair and bothering her. So they bring the evidence forward and drop a suitcase on the bench for Harry, and he opens it, and it's a briefcase full of two to three hundred tickets. Right, because she, she basically... The assistant, Suzanne, makes a point like, it wasn't just this ticket. You were found with a lot of tickets. You also have a business card. And the business card has a phone number. And it's this phone booth. And then brings brings the briefcase to Harry, so on and so forth. You know, and then Dan goes like the lick is like the sizzle. He does that. Oh, I want you to try and sell that. So as if I were a podcast listener, I knew what you miss at miss theater. What exactly did Dan do? Can you can you describe that for the listening audience? Yeah. When something's, you know, quote unquote, so hot and done so well that you lick your finger and you put it out like and it, you'd make the sizzle noise. So it's a man. It's perfect. But then our scalper has the best response, so he gets all this laid, thrown on his lap. You got a briefcase full of two to three hundred tickets. His response is, "Your Honor, I love the theater." Oh, it's good. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. (laughs) Uh, And then Harry's going through them. It's Knicks, Rangers, other Uh, concerts, and boat show, boat show. Yeah, quintessential New York ticket stuff that I like. As a former New Yorker, like, just was mm-hmm. like, I loved it. I was like, oh, my yeah. gosh, all of these things are perfect. And like, still could happen to this day. And lo and behold, there are 30 golden tickets, Charlie Bucket, for Mel Torme. Roby. I knew that suitcase Roby. was going to have Torme tickets. But when I saw that it had 30 Torme tickets, I was like, this is going to go two ways. Harry, Harry's going to be like, really want these tickets. But in my mind, I thought there was a chance he was going to be like, this motherfucker is the reason I can't get my Torme tickets. Right. Because he bought up all the tickets. The beast of the bench. Han- Harry dropped the hammer on him. For so yeah, drop his me... pants and get to it. <laughs> if I may, take a little Skin segment. that smoke weasel and go to work. Take a little segment to explain to you. Um, ticket brokering in New York. Please. So there are, in recent years, I believe they it was the 80s when they first became really popular. So around this time, there it's quite common um, for you to get tickets to a show, not through the show directly, like through a ticket master or the website, but through a ticket broker. A ticket broker isn't like a stub hub. These are brokers that literally have dozens of tickets for Mm -hmm. any given show now it's a super huge problem because that's the reason that you know hamilton for instance a really popular broadway show that's on right now gets sold out even faster than it should 
because a ticket broker will get 20 tickets and these tickets are about $200 a pop and they Mm -hmm. will sell them for a grand a pop because they can. Yeah. So it's a huge, huge, like it's, it's a racket, but it was developed to make it legal because they have to follow, follow certain laws. Mm-hmm. They can get they can only get tickets at certain times. They can only get a certain percentage of tickets, so on and so forth. They have to be licensed, all of this and that. And that was in response to scalpers in the 80s. Ah. Because scalpers would pick up so many tickets. Now, you still have scalpers in New York City today, but they've got like 10 tickets. Like, it's called Ticketmaster. So they just institutionalized the scalpers? They institutionalized scalping. Does, uh, is... Is scalping tickets decriminalized now, though? I've seen too many no, sitcoms with the trope of, like, the the sad dad selling an extra ticket out of the theater, and then he gets sent to the old hooskow for a night because he was trying to get rid of an extra ticket. It's attached to petty theft because you're essentially taking money from people, like, additional money. So Oh, because you're screwing them out. Because of- if you sell a $9 ticket for $45, if that's how you're scalping it, you essentially just stole... Thirty-six dollars from that, right. but you, no, you didn't, because you're selling, you're setting your price. You have it's supply and demand in that case. But they don't have a license to do it. It's illegal to do it without a license, so it's theft. And then a lot of scalping problems that happen now, because there are barcodes, is that people will make copies and oh, sell yeah. copies. But a stadium, you can only scan that barcode once. So he could sell, he could print out. You know, 10 copies of the same ticket, someone could sell all 10, but only the first person that gets there actually has the ticket, if anybody gets the actual ticket at all. And so you've just sold five people a non-ticket, which is absolutely theft. It hasn't been happening this year, but I guess, yeah, last year, scalping was really bad. It was like online or fraud or whatever with Hamilton tickets. And Hamilton, oh, because sure. those seats were so limited and so sought, like they just legitimately couldn't do anything for anybody. So people would make trips specifically to New York with their two thousand dollar tickets that they just went yeah. screw it. I'm gonna, I'm, I love it that much. I'm gonna do it. And they would show up to the door and they'd say, "Not only are these fake tickets, like we just have like a no." Uh, uh, refund or exchange policy just because we can't because the tickets are legitimately sold out for the no, next 15 the, months. The biggest scam was it was a bunch of these like Wall Street scummers Ugh. who were cruises? selling fake cruises and sheens, young sheens from Wall Street selling fake Hamilton tickets to other rich affluent people and then just... Oh, all right. Well, the guy that... um as long as they're ripping each other off, I'm The cool guy that. that was in charge and blew up that fire festival, he mm. was getting busted because he had like a nightlife, like kind of secret society type app that you had to pay to get into. And they did the same with Hamilton tickets. They didn't give fake, fake ones, but you would pay for it. It would be included in like a package. And then the day before they would say, oh, you don't have the tickets to Hamilton. Like something happened. Oh, they'd give them all the other bullshit. And yeah. like the one thing that they wanted most are like, ah, sorry. Right. So you pay uh, like 10,000. <laughs> you pay $10,000 for a package. There are 20 things included, but you're really paying $10,000 for the Hamilton tickets because you have like two to like a Saturday night. And then that Friday night they go, oh, these are no longer available. Enjoy your free drink ticket for Tavern on the Green. Right. Exactly. Exactly. They're like, I don't didn't even want to go there. 
just uh, it's just not in my constitution to I just can't turn it off I, I have too much of a I'm a scumbag, but my conscience doesn't work. Like, I wish I could function, like, living that easy just life. Just straight just... up steal from somebody without any, yeah. Well, creative my stealing, question. creative theft, they call so it. So back to the episode, Hans, you were thinking that it could have gone either way in terms of, like, Harry could have very well gotten angry because yeah. this guy is the reason. I went to, I genuinely was like, is Harry going to take one of these tickets? I, I did yeah. not see the solution yeah. to this problem, which happens later. No, I didn't either. I did not see that coming whatsoever. I I literally thought, like, well, if you want to go that bad, like, it's one ticket that disappears. Because Lana starts kind of... She sees the writing on the wall that yeah. he's like, Mel Torme, Row B, like, so on and so Ooh. forth. September and Lana 13th. comes over and like, I've got to take this briefcase. This is evidence. These tickets are evidence and have to be collected and given to the authorities and so on and so forth. And I'm really thinking, I don't know about you guys. I would fucking take the ticket. I Harry's got a magician's hands. He's fast. I was like, I bet he fucking snagged a ticket out of there without anybody noticing. I, I didn't think I knew Harry wasn't going to do it because that would have been too obvious. But I had but a feeling the you? ticket was going to end up on his desk via Lana. Yeah, I thought that too, maybe. Oh, no, I didn't at all. And I didn't think that Harry would actually take it because the moral dilemma that a judge would face, but I don't have that moral bone, I guess. I would take the ticket. Oh, I did take a ticket. Yeah. It's for fucking Mel Torme. No one would care. Like, that's the thing. At the end of the day, it's like no one would give a shit. Well, and it's not like those tickets are going to be sold now. Those are going to be 30 spare seats. I take all 30. I take the gallows I'm, I'm telling me. you, those tickets are going to end up in an evidence locker and legitimately not get used. Exactly. That's what I was just saying. I was saying, like, those are going to be 30 empty seats, so why not use one? Yeah, those crooked cops from the 7-5 would have just taken the tickets. Jesus, those, co- those cops would have sold Along with the drugs. Those. Thus those- far, there's three people on this podcast who would have been disbarred. Real quick. <laughs> hey, guys. If anybody asked me, why didn't you become a lawyer? Now I know my answer. <laughs> oh, no ethics. It's the Mel Torme ethics. No, luckily, no one will ever paradox. ask me, hey, Hans, why didn't you ever become a lawyer? They know the answer. Because I, <laughs> I'm an I picture law school like it's Starfleet <laughs> Academy. So I'm like, oh, the Mel Torme paradox. It's like the... Uh, I didn't become a lawyer because I, I wouldn't be able to help myself from stealing from evidence lockers. <laughs> yeah. So I became a criminal. <laughs> I could be a mob lawyer. Um, oh, so anyway, uh, yeah. Yeah. really quickly, this case ends and like Harry's still very clearly conflicted. So he just goes, uh, $20 penance to this guy. That's the sentence. 50, $50, 50 sorry. $50. So it's a $50 penance. And I'm not going to say I'm going to have one of you two do it because it was so good. But his line was fucking oh, yeah. perfect. I, I didn't write it down, but he was basically like appealing to the king. Like he was so your, your, your wise wisdom, blah, blah, blah. Like. He was like, I like him. He's nuts. He's nuts. I love this guy. He's nuts. <laughs> Actually, that was really good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then we find out. Uh, so then Suzanne approaches the bench. and uh, Oh, and Dan, Dan, before that, as she's doing approaching the bench, Dan is like, you were great. You were on point. Let's have children. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like you were clear. You were succinct. You were direct to the point. Let's have children. Somebody put a garden hose down that guy's pants with some yeah, icy cold Yeah, he is really lemonade. hitting it hard. A, a garden hose could have been... Mm. 
could have been, you know, very useful in this episode. Uh, so Suzanne approaches the bench and asks Harry if he would like to see Mel Torme. And he's like, would I? Oh, but I can't get tickets. And she's asking him <laughs> on a date. Harry doesn't quite get she it. She says she was like, I have two tickets. And he was like, and you're not using them? Great. And she was like, well, I'm using one of them. Yeah. What about Dan? She's like, we've been out on a few dates. There's nothing. There's to nothing it. there. And, and so, so she's she's very clearly hitting on Harry, and Harry's just very clearly interested in the tickets. To which point, he makes it abundantly clear when she's like, "So, do you want to go?" And he was like, "I would go with Godzilla." She's like, "Oh, ooh. well." She she has a good comeback. Yeah. I I really do like Suzanne for it. She goes, "I have better breath," which but she doesn't have better self esteem, I guess, <laughs> right? <laughs> Uh, so then Harry tries to, as a Wait, thank you... Wait, again, disbarred, conflict of... In- you can't date the prosecuting attorney as the this judge? night court, baby. Shit. Yeah, it's night court. Up is down, black is white. But also, she's... But you also have to... Suzanne is clearly, as we will learn very shortly, not opposed to fucking dating anybody in the office. Everyone. But for Harry, it's really not a date. Like, he's not interested in the... the Harry's a know, child. The, Harry doesn't yes. date. Yeah. Women. He wants the fucking ticket. Yeah. So he tries to... As like, a thank he you, literally said, I will go with a, a Japanese-created sky monster. A kaiju. <laughs> Get the chucka sticks. I know. Is the ki- is kai is did you say kaiju? Yeah, that's the Japanese term for those big giant monsters. For God's so is so Godzilla's a kaiju with his name. Uh, you know what? That's a spicy monster name. That's but a, Godzilla spicy. So so Godzilla's a kaiju, and it's in reference. I tried to, any age, I tried to Asian it up. Good lord! When you say it, kaiju. When you say it, it's just. <laughs> but so Godzilla's that Godzilla's a kaiju, but he's. Um, but his name is Godzilla. That's what I'm trying to yeah. say, right? Yeah. That, that the, species that's the versus what his name is? Giant monsters from the ocean or space. Yeah, like Nellie is the a Loch Ness monster, but a Loch Ness monster is yeah. She's a cryptid, but her name is Nellie. Or the Cri- Loch Ness wait, Loch Ness monster. monster. The official term for Loch Ness monster is cryptid. Any of those cryptozool? I know they're all cryptozoological. Oh, but it, within that right. species, they're cryptids. Like that's just a short term. But her she's, name is uh, she's a bit of a cryptid. With she's got kind of a crazy overbite. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Ooh, burn! What the hell? Don Rickles in the house. Jesus Christ! I got a kaiju in here. Look at this lady. She's got an overbite. Whoa! God, somebody call Tom it's Cruise. Not a bad thing. Uh, she's very pretty. So, <laughs> Harry uh, offers to buy her Suzanne, take her out for pizza as a thank you for the tickets. And just as he's doing that. Dan walks up and she's like, oh, I, I can't do it tonight. I have a date. And Dan's like, no, oh. no, 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 no. She says, I'm already doing something. Mm. And Dan goes, yes, we're already doing something. And then he looks at Suzanne and goes, what are what 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 will we be doing? And Damn. she was like, sorry, Dan, I have a date. And he's visibly upset. But I love the Dan Fielding line. With a man? Oh, but first it was the girls like, oh, just a night out with the girls. Oh, oh you're going to yeah. nails. Yeah. Dangly fingers. And then she says, no, I have a date, date, with a man, and boom, shakalaka, right on cue, here enters Bull. Dan's upset. Dan's upset. And Dan was just like, well, who is it with? Just tell me. And she was like, oh, no, nothing. He was just like, I'm not going to die. And then, boom, boom, boom. 
In comes, in comes our ba- our kaiju bailiff. The kaiju. Yeah, our and then Bull asks her what they're uh, what we're doing tonight, and Dan freaks the fuck out. He freaks out so much that he creates new insult I like he it. merges insults which i had to rewind because <laughs> it makes this no sense so good i love it i love every bit of the next like two minutes i was dying laughing so, i couldn't write fast enough no I, oh god so dan's bubbling over for his like list of insults towards bull and liz leans over to lana and she's like that's why i don't date people i work with and lana Somewhat redeems herself. She's like, but you work with rapists, junkies, mothers, and flashers. Yeah. And Liz goes, that does make it easier. And then Dan unleashes the salvo. You're going on a date with Conehead the Barbarian? I was like, what? It does that? That is so bizarre it was so of good. an insult. And then- it was so good. And then Suzanne. <laughs> I love Dan. Suzanne's like, if, you know, basically, I'll let you know. That he's to- taking me to the restaurant, the top of the World Trade Center. <laughs> oh no! Before that, because she's like, "We're going. We're just going out for dinner, or we're just going out." And he's like, "What? Foraging in the forest, trapping small animals?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then she's like, "No, we're going out on to the restaurant on the top of the World Trade Center." And then, and then Dan is, uh, "Are you going to take the elevator? Or is he just going to drag you up the side?" <laughs> oh yeah, another another Donkey Kong reference. Kaiju, from- another kaiju. I, I started yep. dying. I was dying. Oh my god, it um, was so, and it was all very quick. Like that's something that Laracat. Yeah. The, the whole cast, the whole cast, but Laracat especially is just so good at that. Bam, 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 bam. On point, fast banter. But th- this ends before the next, I'm assuming, commercial break. This is mm-hmm. that point I was talking about because she's like, Dan, I'm a grown woman. I can do what I want. Or I'm, yeah. I'm, I have my own constitution. And then she walks out and Bull walks out right after. Just mugging. The smuggest, muggest smile on his oh. face. The shittiest of eating grins. And I was like, it's wow, so that's good. like not a bull we've seen because that's a very no. aware bull that he's like, I have one up on Dan, yeah. Yeah. Um, and and I think it needs to be stated before we continue that literally no one knows but the audience, but us and Harry, that she has asked Harry, Harry out and yeah. he is accepted. Right. Um, so Dan still doesn't know. That Yeah. He, Obviously, Bull doesn't know. Lana doesn't know. No one knows but us that this has yeah. happened because it was sideswiped mm-hmm. by her going on another going date. On another date. So With then, someone else. Yeah, we assume there's a commercial break, and when we return, um, we're in chambers. It's just Dan and just Harry, and Harry's attempting to talk Dan down from well, the ledge. And re- really, really super quickly, I'm so sorry, before that commercial break, you know, Lana's kind of also, we're, we're seeing Dan just break down, and Lana's kind of on the side with Harry and going like, like you know it's dan but i kind of understand like you feel like a little bit betrayed and this guy just came in and took the person that you love and and harry's like i didn't know and then they're you know he plays it off like so on and so forth so still no one knows but this is it's bubbling up in harry right now mm-hmm. and who i think it was hans you made a very good point it, we're going in once we get into chambers the beginning of like harry clearly knows that something yeah. What's going on with Lana? Um, oh, yeah. So yeah, they're yeah. in chambers, and Harry's attempting to, like, 
talk Dan down. Like, Bull's a good guy. Like, this isn't insane. Like, this woman's just going on a date. Like, he has his talents. And <laughs> Dan was like, yeah, his talent's driving in nails with your fist, if you call that a talent. <laughs> but isn't this the part where he calls? Yes. And I was like, uh, he's like, he, this guy wears hunting socks to court every day. Yeah. But also, he calls him something like Bobo the Human Redwood? Yeah. yeah. What is that? I think it's just uh, think... off the cuff. That was a ski I get the Redwood part. Insult. I think I think it's literally almost like a carny reference. Like he's not to a specific carny person that we should know. Like he's creating his own, but it's like a freak show. Yeah, that's the carny persona he just created for Bull. Yeah, okay. like Bobo the human. You redwood. know, lo and behold, Bobo the yeah. human redwood. I think that's yeah. what I mean. It, it worked for me as that. I don't um, know if I'm wrong or not, but that's yeah. how I took it. So Harry's trying to talk Dan down, but also. Trying to find a way to tell Dan that he also is going to go on a date with Suzanne. So going back to this being a very theatrically staged oh, yeah. show, yeah. I loved every, as a yeah. theater major, I loved every single minute of it. And both of them hit the nail on the head in delivery. They both face, quote unquote, downstage. So to the audience, mm -hmm. they're not facing each other at mm -hmm. all. And they kind of have what, what is called like an aside. Like you're speaking out loud, but you're not actually talking yeah. to the person. You're you're talking out loud to yourself, to the ether, like yeah. to everybody. I believe it's and, called and a duiloquy. Cool. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Fuck? It's not, obviously. <laughs> I was like, Continue. at first I was like. Duiloquy. How did I not know that? And then I was like, that doesn't sound, no, that and sounds Dan stupid. So, so Dan's go pontificating. He's just his like. love for Suzanne. You know, she's so great and the hair and we go on dates and Harry's like, you know, she likes this. She like, you know, we like. Uh, we, we both like, like Mel, Mel Torme. Torme. And it's one, one off the other. Yeah. So they're ping ponging, but not at each other. And then they turn. And. Like, and, you know, Harry yeah. goes, Dan, Suzanne, and I, and Harry's like, you know, Harry, Suzanne, and I, and yeah. they do it at the same time, and it was just, it was really on point, uh -huh. and the timing was perfect, perfect yeah. mm -hmm. and I just, like, that's, it's such a night court moment. So they catch each other, able to do and that. there's that moment of, like, what did you say? No, what did you say? And then, Bull enters. Good old Bull. Bobo the Human Redwood. Uh, and then we get another sassy salvo. Oh my gosh, Bull. I had to slow clap for him um, on this one. So so Dan doesn't want to talk to him and is being rude to yeah, Bull. Bull's going to leave because he's like, oh, Judge, I see you're occupado. occupado. <laughs> he's about to leave. And Dan pulls out a comb and I forget. No, no, no. We're not at the comb yet. We're not, we're not at the comb yet. So... Um, Bull, I forget what Dan says, but Bull calls Dan myopic little dilettante. No, that comes oh, after it, the comb. That comes oh, okay. after the Go comb. for it. Okay, so you do it. I'm sorry. Because Bull's about to leave, and then Dan pulls out a comb, and as Hot said, he's like, you ever heard of this? The year in combs? And Bull gets a look, and you're like, oh, he's going to say something, and like he's going to have another sort of petty insult. And as you said... Bull goes, you know what? You're a myopic little dilettante. Goes, Listen, you myopic little dilettante. And then Dan responds, <laughs> who you calling little? <laughs> it was so good. To which the judge responds, anybody want a pretzel? I think I got some avocado dip around avocado here. Avocado dip. Little pet peeve of mine. Is he referring to guacamole? Yes. 
But in the 80s, guacamole was still like as foreign of a concept as like eating a raw blowfish or something. (laughs) Uh, So then Dan and Bull, we see it there. They pick a fight. They're about to come to blows. They're about to step outside. (laughs) You talking to me? You talking to me? Oh, Uh, yeah. So they go back and forth with their schoolyard. Like, it escalates, it escalates. You want to step outside? Bull, Bull goes to, you want to step outside? And Dan... Dan, Dan ponies up! He's like, let's... Do, he doesn't say I would love do to. I would love to. And then Harry steps in and goes, guys, 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 no. We're not doing this. No one's going anywhere. No one's going anywhere. To which then, Dan's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. It was so perfect. Because it's like, yeah, you can make fun of Bull all you want, but, like, don't... Don't gonna, go into a street fight with crush Bull. your skull. Have you two ever been now that uh, now that we're in this situation? Have you two ever been in a situation where everybody anybody's been? Uh, let's step outside. No. And nobody's. You, you've never been in like a, a a fight situation. Like let's take this. Let's fisticuffs. I confronted a guy once because he said he wanted to fight me at a party. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That and was then, the Timmy party, right? Yeah, and then I went. So long story short, it was this guy's, it was a house party and it was this guy's birthday. And I was, Hans and I and a few of our friends were there because we knew someone from the party. The night goes on and it's honestly like 5 a.m. and we're leaving. It's the end of the party. The sun's coming up and we go outside. And I found out that the guy whose party it was had been telling everybody that I was a piece of shit and I was an asshole and he wanted to kick the shit out of me. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea why and no one could tell me why. So I was a little sauced, to say the least, and I just was like, I'm going back up there, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to ask him what the fuck is going on. Right. So I go up the stairs, and it's in my head, and and our friend Timmy was like, all right, I'll go in first. I'll talk to him. I know him. Like, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's going on. And I'm walking up the steps to this dude's house. It's his fucking birthday party. And I was like, I just committed to a fight, like... Right. I'm going to get into a fight. Yeah. So we walk into the apartment and we're coming in and we're rounding the corner in the living room and everybody in the living room is like, hey, Timmy. And then I round the corner and the guy's girlfriend was in a chair and she saw me and I, her look on her face, she just went, oh my God, and got up and ran in further into the apartment. I was like, fuck, this is happening. This oh, is happening. When are you going to do a fight? And then I was like, hey, I'm... uh." Sorry to hear about, I was like, what, what's going on, man? He's like, oh, no, nothing, man, nothing. Misunderstanding. I was like, okay, so that's it? That's all? He's like, yeah, man, nothing, don't worry about it. See ya. So, that was so it. yeah, that was- so he wussed out on you. Like, you you could, you could, stood up for yourself. Like, I had that I incident. bowled it. You bowled it. I fielded it one time. We, You and I were at an NYU party. And we were just like, it was like these really rich kids. Um, It wasn't a dorm room. It was like rich kids at NYU whose parents paid for them to have real deal adult apartments right down in that area. So all these like like, rich kids. Oh, was it like by Stytown? Like by Stytown? Like in Union Square and stuff? Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, no, I totally know those type of apartments. So all these college, so they basically, all these college kids still took over an apartment building and treated it like a dorm. So Casey, we were at this party. And the entire mm-hmm. floor were college students, even though they were apartments. So the r- doors were kind of like, it was kind of a come and go policy. And we went into this apartment oh. 
and we were hanging out at one apartment and they ran out of like beer and booze. So I was just like, okay. So I just walked into other people's apartments, walked in like I, it was okay. And just walked by and was like, the apartment we picked was literally just full of like, um, look, not look, yeah, lacrosse players or rowers or whatever. And I just do, 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 just walked by, opened their fridge, grabbed some beers out, walked out of their apartment and into the other apartment. Jesus fucking Christ. I and that, shit myself. And that was fine. It's confidence. But then, press my luck, I do it again, and I walk in, doot, 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 and then finally they're like, we let that go the first, in their head, I'm assuming, we let that go the first time because that was the weirdest thing ever, but not this time. So, of course, I'm walking away, and as soon as I get into the other apartment, this <laughs> giant, even though I'm much older than these kids, this, like, 18-year-old, <laughs> like, you know. Jock pushes me into a closet, has his forearm against my throat, and was asked the very appropriate question, what the fuck are you doing? To which I fielding it, I was just like, um, um, (laughs) you know, like I don't have any, like I was caught red-handed being a piece, like an asshole. You whipped out a comb and went, you talking to me? (laughs) I didn't. I wish I had the, now I know what I'm made of because I was just like, I don't know. What was I doing? (laughs) Luckily, like this uh, comedian we know, I I think his name was Dan actually, was just like, he was just taking some of your beers. Chill out. You're fine. And the guy was like, shut up. And left, you know. But like, God, I just hate that. That just drew me into a place like thinking about getting into fights. Because Casey and I have been in other situations where usually it's that people with those type of Jocko homo constitutions where they're like, for whatever reason, they just uh, they just want to they want to fight. There was know? that one night we were playing pool with that Scottish guy. Oh, yeah. And we put a bunch of money down and he was like, I don't you know, like, I'm not going to do the accent because I can't do it justice. But basically, like and he was like a sassy, big Scottish dude. Scottish he he red, was Ren and Stimpy, thick necked fucking walk through a wall scottish like the custodian from the simpsons yes like. yeah he was he was absolute absolutely same just thick and just born his, tough like, his rugby shirt on but of he was course. wearing his kilt and he had that furry bag on the front yep and we had just been like drinking and hanging out we were playing pool and he's like cocky and he's got that accent so we're just like fucking with him and like we're all needling each other so we're like, oh, we'll put this. I think we had offered to pay his tab. Right. Yeah. If yeah. He, we lost. But if he if we won, if he lost, we got his like bag of his grandpa's like bones or whatever the fuck it is hanging what? off the front. So like apparently it's a tradition in Scotland. Like you all wear a kilt. But what holds that kilt up is this furry sack with a little like latch belt on it. And potentially that's passed down it's through your like family. It's like the most important part of the whole thing. So he's uh, like, this is this it. was passed down through my, I, what's Scottish? I don't know. He could say, yo, man. He's like Tom Hardy. <laughs> hey, man. Uh, so we play and it's like pool sharps all of a sudden. Like, I'm terrible at pool. But like, if I get drunk enough, like, yeah, I it's can kind of get into sweet spot. So we played like the best game of pool we've ever played. We just ran and the table. And it came down I to the last that. shot and he scratched on the eight ball. It was oh, like shot Jesus. for shot. So we're like, ah! 
It's like Dumb and Dumber. We just pointed at him and started laughing. And we were like, we get your thing. We were like fucking busting his balls. And he just put his arms around both of us. Oh, no. Like, and you could feel the muscles then in his arms. I and he's know. like, that ain't happening, boys. <laughs> we're like, he's like, or we can go outside. Basically, he was like, if you want it, you got to take it off me. You but have to kill me. You're going to have to fight me. And we're like, eh, it's all right. Yeah, it's all right. And no then, problem. like, he, like, waited to, because he was kind of deadly serious, because I think there's also <laughs> something about, like, maybe in Scotland where they're, like, a bet's a bet kind of thing, and he got himself in too deep, so he was torn between, like, he was in two quandaries, like, he made a gentleman's agreement, but he's not going to give up his, like, uh, fa- family marker or whatever. Yeah. So he right. still, we were like, yeah, yeah, we're good, which we were. We were like, we don't, you know, you really need this. Yeah, what's but the- also we don't want it. That guy could have taken us with one, both of us at one time with one arm he, behind yeah, his head. Yeah, he could have easily rationalized it. Well, it's a gentleman's agreement. I'm going to welch on it. I guess we have to fight because I have to pay, which right, he wouldn't have. Right, the honorable thing to do in this situation. So instead he waited, like gave us that like, like, that what's, stare what's for like voice? a minute like are we good and then he proceeded to turn around and lift his kilt up with his saggy scottish balls because he didn't have any <laughs> underwear on and just spread moon us and then yeah, laugh that was it our up. payment we got to see the the f- full moon over scotland uh, but no that it was just that like threatening arms around you and you're just like ah. yeah i knew i wasn't gonna get it but so yeah we got bull shannon um, so then we're introduced back in the story is they're about to fight. And Harry, Harry, Harry wants a kumbaya. Kumbaya sensitivity training. He took sensitivity training down. Oh at, yeah. At judge camp. Um, so he is, he brings out his sort of like hippie philosophy of like the reason most males are so frustrated is because they lack intimate physical contact with other males. And then Bull, Bull comes out swinging. Uh, <laughs> Perhaps you should visit our holding cell sometime, sir. <laughs> yeah. Bull ain't no fairy. Man on man sexual assault. Speaking of man on man, there's a nice man on man joke coming in. Uh, so they all start. So Harry is like, we all have to hold hands in a circle. In a circle. Standing in a circle. So they're about to. And then. Dan and Bull, as a peace officer, are about to embrace hands, and then Bull does the quick switcheroo and goes, I want to be on top. It's so good. Oh, yeah. I was dying. There's always, uh, like, one sexual innuendo in each of these, at least a minimum of one in each of these Oh, episodes. no, they're really good with that. Like, it's it's fun. They're, yeah. It's a little wink, wink, nudge, nudge. So they, they're holding hands. They hold their hands. They close their eyes, and they're just... Just being in each other's presence. And then... Uh, Uncomfortably. Uh, Liz and Suzanne walk in. Lana. And, uh, Lana. And Dan just knows. He's like, someone's walked in, haven't they? So then they're embarrassed. And Harry just goes, ladies, ladies, we were just discussing. And then Dan goes, humiliation. And then he's about to leave. And the last thing he has to say to Suzanne is, some helpful advice. Date within your species. And then walks out. And then Bold's response was, I don't know what he's talking about. I think the female species are tops. Yeah, so Bull, again, back to... Likes the ladies. So he leaves, and then Suzanne is sort of, not confronted by Lana, but sort of like... Well, Lana finds out. 
Why do I have yeah. a Selma? Why do I have a Selma line in here that just says "Love stinks"? Where that's when we get to the cafeteria. Yeah. Oh, it is okay. Uh, so she finds out that Suzanne's dating all three of the major males in Night Court. But basically, Lana finds out Harry's going on a date with Suzanne. Yeah, yeah. To which Harry was like, "Oh yeah," like starts. Tripping over his own Oh, tongue. yeah. Very, and he's like, very oh, yeah, Lana, I was going to tell you. It's like, why the fuck do you have to... What's going on here? So obviously yourself. there's something more going on. Definitely. So then... Well, we're- I think, yeah, and also Harry's embarrassed. Like, as we're, we're coming to learn is, like, everyone is sort of, like, taken aback by how brash Suzanne is about, like, I, love is too... But, like... Not even relationships. Like she's brash enough to go on three dates with three different men. Yeah, and, like she's in very three li- different days. Like her very modern, open way of like courtship is weirding everybody out. So I think that also is Harry's weirded out that he's like the third man on third wheel on this. Well, and it's also it's a very man thing, yeah. but you know, especially then, kind of less now, but. There's that that sloppy seconds kind of thing. Like men don't like <laughs> to share. No, like it's true. Like the men don't yeah. like to share, and it, it kind of comes to a head later in the cafeteria when things start getting quote unquote resolved, mm-hmm. which is to a woman you're just like, oh my yeah. god, this is horrible. So Suzanne, what's, sort what's of sloppy seconds for uh, like if a girl's dating like a guy? Second, is it like a drippy dong? Drippy double? <laughs> drippy doubles? <laughs> Trademarked. <laughs> Saggy seconds? I just call it second lunch. <laughs> second lunch. <laughs> Se- right. Second oh. breakfasts? Oh, edit that out. <laughs> oh, no, don't. I can't believe she calls it the Hobbit life. I, the old, I like Sag- it. I've yeah, been, I've been making write, so um, many Hobbit references because when I, when you're pregnant like I am, you just have a lot of little meals. So I just the Hobbit meal, like second breakfast and stuff like that is on my mind. I'm she so She dates sorry. like a Hobbit a lot. <laughs> <laughs> those hobbits get around. I bet those <laughs> hobbits do get around. Like it's just a hedonistic little rabbity type world. Because what well, that's they all they do? Live? They live in holes and they eat and drink and they they hump. They live in holes and they really like live in them. each other's holes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking about these hobbit bacchanals where it's just like it's just a sweaty whole full naked hobbits just yeah exactly whereas if you other, walk into matter. that wrong door and you see it you're just like i'm gonna be sick and they <laughs> like just start pulling on your pant leg and you're like i gotta get out of here they're all eating like weird flatbread cakes off of each oh, other mr frodo oh mr frodo like it takes that whole fellowship to a weird place so anyway, Liz walks in. Liz interrupts the the Lana realization and her and Harry going at it. And Liz is is definitely out of breath and a little yeah. freaked out and is saying that Bull and Dan are getting into it hardcore in the cafeteria. Yeah, there's a fight. Big and fight. And Bull is swinging Dan around like, like a, a rag, rag doll. And then there's a line. I think Liz says chivalry, chivalry is not, not dead. dead. And then we we go immediately Wait, to the I don't cafeteria. Get that. I don't get that line. Well, Th- because Su- Suzanne poses a question of coming like they're really fighting over me, and Liz uh, is like, "Chivalry okay, is not it. dead." I got it. That's not, so. That, so that's a pun, that's a joke. Yeah. Right. 
So then we are because in- they're acting like absolute fucking buffoons. They're not or, being chivalrous yeah. at or all. Or is that the real definition of chivalry that you'll do anything for a woman? No, or- chivalry. I mean, chivalry is definitely to the degree of that, but not like I will fight someone else and act like a fucking idiot. Like it's more like. To be chivalrous is to be attentive, to yeah. be doting, to be attuned, like... To be brave enough to go into a stranger's apartment to get more beer for your friends. <laughs> I think it was Zima. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I'm sweaty, uh, so I'm yeah, sweaty palmed thinking about that. Now we're in the cafeteria and it is wrecked. It is, it is post-apocalyptic. There has been a kaiju battle in here. There are newspapers strewn about the floor. Tables are flipped over. Chocolate cigarettes everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> it's a chocolate cigarette graveyard. And we find out that Dan has been felled, but luckily well, there's a doctor well we have, there. Hans has Selma's line. They come in, they're like, oh my gosh, Dan and Bull did this. And Selma goes, love stinks. Again, not the best joke. Little on the nose, mm. right? Yeah. Now you got uh, me on board. This so is not Dan's, Selma's best episode. Dan's tussled up. He's laid out on a laid out on two two tables. It's like four tables. He's so tall. He's so tall. Yeah, he's just laid out. Uh, the doctor says he's he's okay, but he's he's in rough shape. Uh, and Harry gets pissed. He flips out on Bull. Oh yeah, Harry, dad, Harry the dad. In, uh, Harry dad voice. But then the doctor says, "No, no, 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 no. Bull saved this man's life." He choked on an olive. Bull gave him the Heimlich maneuver. Like, and a then Harry beast. has to apologize to the Henderson. Eat crow, Henderson. Harry, apologize to that cryptid. So then, uh, Dan apologizes. He he's he's come to. He apologizes to Bull, and as a peace offering, he offers Suzanne. You may have her. And then Take Bull her. says, "No, no, no. You may have her." You were here first. Like a piece of property. Prize horse flesh. Right. Uh, and Which then... is so fucking offensive. Yeah. And then Suzanne steps up and is like, whoa, whoa, no. You can't. Tra- I can't be bartered and traded. She's free to do as she pleases. Well, and she starts kind of like kind of edging in like, hey, you guys. And Dan does the, oh, my rib, my rib, my rib. Don't touch me. Um. So then she's like, no, I'm I'm a modern woman. I can do what I want. I'm not up for grabs. I'm not up for grabs. I'm dating Harry, to which Bull... That's I like, I like, you know, Bull. I like, yeah. I like I all three because, of you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so then the beans are officially spilled for everybody that Harry is going on a date with Suzanne. And Bull and Dan are not pleased that their bro could do them so, so Bros before hoes, not Harry. in Harry's case. No way, dude. Do you think Bull broke those ribs on purpose? You don't have to break ribs to give a Heimlich, do you? I think he went a little hard. Yeah, a little um, tough. I also think, like, with CPR and Heimlich, like, sometimes, like, it's very common because to get to actually dislodge or help someone to breathe, the rib where you need to, like, put a lot of pressure is where your lower ribs are. Um, so, yeah, ribs can be, you know, cracked or bruised incredibly easily. So I, I buy it hook, line, and sinker that it wasn't intentional. Yeah. Got to get that martini olive out of that louse's mouth. So then Harry... It was perfect that it was an olive. Like, what a bougie thing. Like, wasn't like he choked on a peanut. Like, it was a fucking olive. What a fancy cafeteria. They got an olive bar. Oh, yeah. Like those 
glisteny uh, Moroccan olives or whatever. Just threw it up. Mm-hmm. Bad date. Right down the old gullet. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Harry, to make peace, like as a peace offering to his bros, pulls out. No, Suzanne gets mad that she just gives the tickets to Harry because she's like, I'm done with all three of you idiots. Like, I just went on. I just wanted to go on dates with you because I like you. Like, screw it. I'm done. Done with all you fools. Mm-hmm. So Harry, to make amends with his pal Bull and Dan, rips the Mel Tormes in He's twain. just like, you know what? It's not worth it. It's not worth it. I'm going to rip this ticket. To which Bull scumbags him and says, you could easily tape that together. Which I didn't see that coming. That was funny. I really, yeah. I really liked it. Number one, it was delivered well, but also it was just kind of like... Bull Bull was really showing some smarts yeah. here with that, like with this entire mm-hmm. episode. I I liked it. So then, and uh, that is a sitcomy trope with the tearing up the check or the ticket or something. Yeah, yeah and, and then, that's like, usually the it together. Yeah, it's usually the end of the bit. Is yeah, yeah. but yeah. they they took it somewhere uh, else. Bull's like you tape it together. So Harry grabs a lighter from the newspaper stand and lights the tormes aflame. Uh, and as they're burning to cinder, both Bull and Dan sort of. They're like, meh, well, I mean, you didn't have to go that far. Right. Like, Mel Torme is your favorite artist. Yeah, and then they're like, you know what? Dan's kind of like, I was an asshole. Like, I was misogynist. Like, I shouldn't have acted like this. Suzanne, you can do whatever you want. I'm sorry. And Bull's like, yeah, you know, he's absolutely he's right. right. I'm wrong as well. We were being completely immature about this. You can do whatever you want. Go I apologize. And then they look at Harry and they're like, go to the concert with her. Have yeah. fun. Um, so then he's crestfallen. Nobody cares. And then we're back in chambers for the final scene of the show. Oh, yeah. Lana's in there giving Harry an update. Dance back in court. Like, soon everything's going to be fine. And Harry's just like, uh, Harry's, yeah, yeah, go, go, go. Harry's actively yeah. doing something in the office. And I we don't know what. It's like he's about to watch pornography. He's really he's still trying got that to get tape. Lana out of that uh, room. Just get her out of the room, yeah. Right, so he's he's very much brushing her off. So... Because she uh, wants she... to go to the snobby, richy person's bar that's not Muldoon's. Oh, yeah. So she's like, Harry, okay, cool. There he's all caught up on the comings and goings of the court. Just not... He's not really interested in it. So she makes one final offer. Like, hey, we're all going down to Figarello's, the the fancy bar. And he says, no, no, I'm I'm fine. You guys go. I'm okay. Shoes are out. Shoes are out. Shuts the door. Again, like Ashley said, he's got plans. And then we see his chairs are moved and there's a boom box on his desk. So he runs to his dad fridge. This is he does not get a soda. This is a full on beer because he's he's off the clock. Was that Harry a beer? An, it looked yeah, like a beer. Was a beer. Ice cold beer. It's really f- f- foamy. He okay. cracks his beer and he like de- de- like tiptoes through his office, shuts the lights off, hits play on the boombox, gets his chair ready, turns the light on. So now it's like, oh, it's a stage, and goes to the Venetian blinds and if it ain't a cut cardboard cutout of Mel Torme. He retires to his chair to listen to Mel Torme tapes and stare at that cardboard cutout. And he does the hand motions with all the... And I was like, every that was a great ending until he 
kept just going. Hurriedly pulled his jeans down and they fell around <laughs> his ankles. And, and then he, he started he, masturbating just to an, a blank wall. And then we realized the hand that Mel Torme has one hand in the air singing, but the hand that's supposed to have a microphone is empty. <laughs> it's a perfect open hand. Glory shape. hold. And then we realized the cutout has ladies' makeup on. Uh, and it's stained from previous instances when this has happened. Bowls watching from across the hall, the hole in the wall like Psycho. And then it cuts to Suzanne's fourth date with Carla B. <laughs> and their, their dr- drippy double. <laughs> drippy double. It cuts to the end, but the end isn't over our traditional exterior court. It is over Harry. Still skibbly beep bop bop dopping to Mel Torme. Uh, too many lunches for this lady. She's loopy. Yeah, time for a sloppy banger. <laughs> Shut the fuck sloppy bang like, seconds. What do you mean? Fuck you. <laughs> sloppy seconds. <laughs> Schlongy seconds. All right. I, I've got mine, but I want I want to see what you guys have. Gavel bang it. Hans, what, what say you? I, I'm giving it a six. <gasps> Ooh, that's low. I yeah, why? It's, Explain. It's six low. It's over. It's over the halfway mark. I guess for me, it's low. I'm I'm consistently I'm high. I give it high. I don't think I time. think I'm consistently middle. I, I I I like I told you guys. I was so thrown off by the Dan Fielding of this episode that um, I need I I maybe I'm not gonna like it when we get it. But I feel cheated when I don't get a scummy field. You want pants snake field? I want I want old dong dignity fielding. <laughs> I want a dong yielding fielding. He's such you know like he's so gross and misogynistic and you know clingy and like all of that that I think it perfectly absolutely makes sense that when he does find that you know, Adonis that he's obsessed with, that he becomes like a baby, like just an immature baby about it. Adonis, uh, yeah. Yeah, that wasn't a, it wasn't a dig on Fielding or Larroquette like killed it as the, obviously, the, I think we well established that everybody in the show has the chops to roll with everything. for sure. So I guess I was just a little, for no reason other than I didn't get me enough Selma. She had a couple bad bits, as Casey pointed she, out. Yeah, which, she was weak this episode for me. Um, but we, I'm normally I, but, all but if something. I were to give, if I were to pick a favorite character, a favorite, if I were to pick the, I, I loved Bull this episode. Getting, oh, he's, he's back up there. I get Bull and Nine, and the him. writing Bull for has Bull has been and the nine. most consistent. I think. Yeah, there's a reason. Of the last chunk of episodes, like. I guess there's got to be a bull, I think, is the standout until we get Marky Post. Not that we're future tripping here, but because every time I talk about Night Court, somebody's like, oh, Marky Post. So apparently there's something going on there. And we talked about it because she's busty swimsuit post because she's offering all I these just... second lunches around the Hollywood. Oh, yeah, <laughs> She's got no problem with lunch. Let me tell you. All right. He gives it a six. Casey, what say you? Uh, I liked it a lot. So on my... Scale because I'm always higher. I go to like nine, nine ten ish. Wow, nine ten ish. Oh, don't you're gonna you're. I can't go ten because then I like. Then I got to do eleven. Then I'm the guy that's like I give it twenty out of twenty. Yeah, right. Well, that's all right if you're that guy. (laughs) It's an A plus plus type of moment. 
No, I go it's A. This is a A. This is an A. So I you're, definitely you're giving an A gavel bang. So one. No. With a capital A. No, a nine. I'll go nine. Nine. So like I no, went like nine no two. gavel bangs. Nine. Nine. None. Nine. So I gave it a nine too. And I've never given a nine before. I think I've only given one eight, and most of mine are six or sevens. But here's here's my reasoning behind it. Number one, there was no no downer type monologue. Yeah. Like you know, that no tries the to story. go too deep into like hmm. you know, this is a comedy. It's supposed to be a comedy. It's supposed to present you know a fun getaway for people in their lives when they're watching this 25 minutes and i think it did exactly that i always love farcical drama of a who done it like oh there's a miscommunication there are these three guys yeah, and no yeah. one knows about harry love that aspect i think we all know yes of of course i was very depressed about not having a lot of selma but i love liz and liz had a lot of good lines looking good looking killing it i give liz a so 10. i loved i loved getting liz i love seeing this side of Fel- felding because i think it's perfect writing for that character that he's just a baby if yeah. he if he really wants something and doesn't get it like so i like all of it like also, it proves the point of why he's in night court. He's not fucking doing his job. Right. Like, I loved all of it, and I absolutely adored Bull getting some zingers back. And oh, yeah. I really liked those two characters going no. at it, because I think those two actors are, are really talented. As foils. As comic foils, perfect. those guys are perfect. So, and you know, they're they're kind of like, in my, in my opinion, like you're going to see them interact like that more yeah and then you'll have those moments where at the core they really are like brothers you know like i'm looking forward to seeing that dynamic develop i will say that when in that scene when when he's like you're dating a man who and bull walked up i was like oh that's funny and it's but i didn't i didn't know if it was gonna and when he did him we like cheered yeah it was like a home run like i was so stoked to have those two against each other, and that's who what are I you love. calling little? Like because it's so good. We, es- we we are establishing that they're both intelligent, but in different ways. Yeah, they're both they're Bull's both the like, same. Like they're both so yeah. similar in their in their oppositeness. Like Bull's an eccentric, but he's smart. Like he wears hunting socks to work. He reads a lot. He's got weird hobbies. Mm-hmm. He and then Dan is all like artifice. Like he's all like. He looks good. He likes expensive things. Like he's a lawyer, so he's intelligent, but not in the right ways. So they're they're fun combatants to have, and something that Harry can't do. That just <laughs> looks so. On my end, there's a tail that's up swinging right behind Ashley. <laughs> he's on our laps. Um. Let's see. So you give Casey gives it an A. You give it an eight. I give Liz no, a nine, D, nine, double D's. Nine. Double D's. No, how many gavel I, bangs do you give the new spinoff for um, uh, Roseanne? Big Bang Theory? Oh, Baby, Baby Sheldon. Sheldon. What is it called? I love that we Young both said Sheldon. Baby Sheldon. <laughs> Although Hans and I and Henning were riffing a little... Uh, Ba- Young Bundy or whatever it was called. The Bundy years. <laughs> Little Al. The Bunder years. Little Al. That's Little Al. But that's then funny. that shifted. So it was originally Little Al as a little boy, but now it's a Dawson's Creek-esque scene 
very soap operatic of a yeah. young Bundy and a young Peg O'Neill or whatever the hell her maiden name is. Star-crossed Hanging lovers. out at Polk High. Drinking milkshakes. They will they, won't they? We know they will. Al works at a lady footlocker selling sneakers to the ladies volleyball team. I'd watch it. I think everyone uh, would watch it. I, Al has is just beginning his foot fetish. You think he's yeah, got a foot he works, fetish? Because he's young. No, I'm like, and he works at like a really nice shoe store with like upscale like it's like that scene in Edward Scissorhands where all the ladies come to him and flirt with him. Like all these like there he's after him. Do you think Al. or would it be more like a scene where like because we all know Al was like he peaked in high school. That is part of the joke because he was like the cool jock football player. But he ends up like that's where he peaked. So do we get to scene where he's like super cool in high school and they're walking through the mall and he like makes fun of the nerdy oh, shoe salesman? Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. That Bunder years move. The Bunder years. The Bunder years. All right. I got to go have second lunch here. <laughs> Meg's in the back. You woo Talk about a gavel bang. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, God, too much fielding for Give you. Give me another gavel bang. I'm a baby. <laughs> oh, God, Come so lick true. my Scottish <laughs> balls. <laughs> I love it because out of context... Makes no fucking sense. Baby voice, come lick my Scottish balls. <laughs> Everything about it is awful. What the fuck is awful. going on? <sighs> okay, fabulous. The night is long and full of weirdos. that was case number eight thank you so much for listening and unfortunately it's time for a cocktail hour improv listen up and don't be a tort everybody loves a little night court and if you love it so much just like you said do me a favor keep this in your little head go to a friend and say hey i like this pod and then they'll say hey where'd you get it god don't call me god just do as i say Go to iTunes or Google Play. Give us a subscribe. Give us rates and reviews. Write a nice review, not a, hey man, P.U. Also, if you like the pod, go to Facebook. Everybody knows you don't do a trace book. That's when you copy someone else's art. Don't do that. Check ours for a start. The last thing I do want to say is you are the best in like every way. It's Night Weirdo One here to tell you Everything's right, you kaiju. <laughs> Gamble bang. <laughs> oh, what did I miss? I don't know. Uh, jerkpractice.com for a blog and... Uh, <laughs> oh, fuck. Um, Facebook is at jerkpracticepod. Uh... If you write a review, people will see... Will hear this one. People will hear this. If you tell them to, we love you.
bull. Your Honor. Oh, you're occupado. <laughs> I'll come back. No, no, no. Come on in. Come on in. I think we have something to talk about. What? The year in combs. You ever see one up close? <laughs> Listen, you myopic little dilettante. <laughs> Who are you calling little? Okay, that is enough of that. I will not tolerate any personal disagreements that interfere with the operation of my court. Do I make myself clear? Night court.